I'm recording. Okay, I'm E. I'm Rob. And welcome to the next movement. First and foremost, um, I would be neglectful if I did not give a shout out to Fife Dog. It's been three years. Rustin Rhymes. We are not talking about a Tribe album today, but it still needs to be acknowledged. Can't believe it's been three years. Yeah, it's... I don't know, it seems like... Seems like longer, but then it doesn't seem like a long amount of time. I don't know, it's kind of weird. But gone too soon. That man gave his all to hip-hop. Mad respect. So, the album we are talking about tonight is The Score. Um, the second album from the Fugees. The last album by the Fugees. Um, the only album that matters from the Fugees. Honestly, I would, <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. You know, n- no disrespect, but... London reality is hard to get through just because it's not them. So I heard the score first before I even knew that blended on reality existed. So to go back after hearing the score and being so familiar with it and then to hear blend on reality, it's just like night and day and, and woof. Did you, did you like, uh, had you heard the nappy heads remix or vocab remix before the score? No? So I heard that later. So I, I mean, the score is such a staple of my teenage years. Um, when I was an adult, I heard Nappy Heads. Um, and then I said, oh, the Fugees had an album before the score. But I mean, by that time when the score came out, no one really cared about Blunt on Reality. And yeah. I mean, I don't know that anybody cared much about it when it came out, to be honest. So yeah, I heard, I heard that stuff later, but... Not at the time, not when I first was digging into the score. Yeah, I actually, I was a fan of the, uh, I think the first time I heard of the Fugees was through the Nappy Heads remix. And I don't ever remember trying to hear Blunted on Reality. I don't know why. I think it's just because none of the other songs, except for the vocab remix, were like on the radio or popular. Yeah. And I just didn't give it time. But then the score was huge. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I just, yeah, it, I totally missed Nappy Heads remix. Um, and I knew, I mean, I know now, that's sort of what saved their career. Not sort of, it did save their career, but yeah, it was much later until I heard it for the first time. Um, it's such like a '90s thing to have happen as a yeah. hip hop group that like what keeps you alive is two remixes off an album, really an album that is like kind of full of duds. It's just too onyx. And if you hear any of them talk about it, that's that's pretty much what they say. Because that was, at the time that they created that and when they were recording, that's what people wanted. That hard shit. But it's not them. I did something I've never done before this week. I listened to Blunt and On Reality in, in entirety, in its entirety, from front to back. It felt to me like it was an album-long attempt to recreate scenario like the energy on scenario the okay the like yeah flow on scenario yeah and it's a, it's it doesn't work no no but it had that like i know what you're saying it had that posse feel yeah like everyone in the background on every yeah. track they're all yeah hype. and that's how i mean that's how onyx is that's how onyx was for me back then and that's how they are now i mean that 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 whole that energy, that like rawness, that aggression. Yeah. That's what I think they were trying to capture on Blended on Reality, but it just was not working for them because that's just not who they are. 
So they then hear the score. Well, for me, it was backwards. But, I mean, to go from that to the score, it's, like, totally different. But it's more true to who they are and who they were then as musicians. It's it's. I have a hard time thinking of two albums from the same artist that sound so drastically different. So drastically different. It's a complete makeover. Yeah, totally. It's hard to grasp that the same group did those two albums no they sound nothing alike nothing none of their voices don't sound the same nothing their flow don't doesn't sound the same no the the score is like just so like laid back and um like natural and organic sounding and and just at ease they sound at ease on that record for the most part like they can breathe right which they don't really do at all and it's just like a non-stop barrage of loud voices and it's just like that call and response again that like posse feel like like it's just not it's not them um i think they knew that though i think they were well aware that that was not the fujis and that was not what they were going for but i think that they were living in a time where that was it and people were pushing them to go in that direction and it was a while before they found their own fitting and before they were Maybe before they were able to be comfortable in their own skin, in their so, own music. It's so interesting, though, because the remixes, um, Nappy Heads and Vocab, they sound nothing like the record. They sound nothing like Blown Out Reality. No. They they sound much more like the score. Like, yeah. they're, they're laid back. Like, the beginning of the Vocab remix is just an acoustic guitar, and mm-hmm. Lauren is, like, talking in this, like, soft, yeah. warm voice. That is nowhere to be found on Blown Out on Reality. Not, No. I mean, even like the if you go and listen to the two versions of Nappy Heads, it's like, mm. right? Yeah, it's not even the same song, like not even a little bit. It's so interesting. So naturally, after they dropped Blunt on Reality, I mean, the clock was ticking because it just wasn't selling. People weren't feeling it really, and then Salam Remy came in and saved the day. It's a miracle to me that their record label like didn't give them a boot immediately. Instead, they gave him a guarantee. And money up front to make the second album. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> they, I mean, I, I call that great luck. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how it happened. I guess. I mean, I guess part of it is like it's it was made out of time in hip hop where like everyone was getting a deal. There was so much money to be made in the industry. Mm-hmm. Record labels were hungry for uh, mainstream rap records. So I guess from that perspective, it makes some sense. But still. Hearing Blood on the Reality and then hearing that they got a guarantee and then just full creative license for the score. They d- Although, yeah, they didn't get much money for the score. They got enough money to like build a studio. Yeah. And then recorded everything in the studio like at their own pace, at their own direction, without any oversight from the label. I mean, I, I think that's a testament to how talented they are. Maybe people just really believed in them and said, you know, this isn't really greatest album we've ever heard but like try again i guess i don't know but the score was like huge it was huge enormous i don't ever remember so was score was 96 right so when the score came out where i lived in the dc area Mm -hmm. you could hear no woman no cry on the alternative rock radio stations you could hear killing killing me softly on like the pop like top 40 stations And then you could hear Fuji Law and Ready or Not on like the hip hop stations, yeah. all at the same time. 
Like on the same day. Yeah. I don't ever remember a record like that. It reached all sorts of audiences. It crossed barriers. I, within my immediate circle, when I was in junior high, within my immediate circle and with outside of that immediate circle, I don't know anyone that didn't have this album. Honest to God. Like, and if you didn't have the album by chance, then you were barring your friends or you were still talking about it. Everyone was listening to the score. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in 96, I, I was, uh, I think it was in 97. I was 16. I took a trip to Romania with the church I was attending at the time. And I remember three songs from the States that I heard everywhere in Romania. OMC's How Bizarre. Oh my, yeah. Terrible, <laughs> yeah. terrible song. Yeah. Uh, I'll be missing you with Puff Daddy and the family. Mm-hmm. And Fuji's Ready or Not. Yeah. Everywhere. I would turn on MTV Europe in the hotel. Ready or Not video was getting played like once an hour at least. I can listen to that song today and still get chills. Ready or Not. Yeah. It is such a good. It is such a good song. It's that Enya sample. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, it is. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. So that it's interesting that they were possibly on the verge of getting dropped to making the score and producing a video that cost $2.4 million. Crazy. It's still one of the most expensive videos ever made. I did not know that. Yeah. that that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. All those well, they, helicopters and shit in the video. Well, the success, that record just like blew up. This by, yeah. So it was released, what, in March, I think, of 96? Like early, first quarter, 96. And by October the next year, it was six times platinum. Yeah. It's enormous. That's an enormous record. It's crazy. I'm telling you, I don't know anyone that didn't have it. Everyone I knew had it. Yeah, just such wide appeal. Yeah. I mean, black, white, Asian, Latino. It reached everyone. I think that like the genius of um, covering like killing killing me softly mm-hmm. and um, no women no cries that it pulled in like people who may not have been like hip hop fans at the time. Yes. Like older people. Yeah. Like my parents would they would tolerate <laughs> killing me softly, you know, <laughs> uh, and no woman no cry. Whereas like I doubt if there was another hip hop record released in '96 that I could have played in front of my parents. <clears throat> Probably not. Yeah, I think it, it, it reached so many people, um, which again, I th- it's it's a testament to, to their talent. I mean, all they needed to do was be themselves and, and thus the score. The other thing that's remarkable about it is Lauren Hill didn't, like, wasn't a rapper. No, she wasn't. She wrote poetry, but I mean, according to Wyclef, he and Proz sort of mentored her into that because she initially she when they first started the group like she didn't rap at all right and they encouraged her to yeah 
And to me, that's kind of crazy because when she raps, it sounds so natural. And she's out rapping everybody else on the record. Hands down. I mean, and I know the conversations have happened before about, you know, best female MCs. And I think that she gets overlooked because her body of work is not great. Yeah, it's so small. But to me, that doesn't matter. I think her skills are impeccable. I think she is such a good MC. She's she's incredible. Yeah. And it's just natural, raw talent. Who can, I mean, you know, just take anyone. Like, you tell them, okay, like, like you know, like, why don't you try rapping? Like, let's do this. No one can just do that. You know what I mean? I mean, look what happened whenever they tried to teach Easy e how to rap. I mean, <laughs> even after that, look what kind of a rapper he was. No disrespect, but he wasn't the greatest rapper with the greatest flow. No, and it like didn't come naturally to him either. He at had, all. really had to work at it. And you can tell. Right. No, with her, it's like, it just sounds effortless. Yeah. Like breezing through rhymes. Mm-hmm. Just natural, raw talent. I was listening to um, Manifest, the last song mm-hmm. on the score. Yeah. And I think this is a song that I must just have overlooked or like not let play when I was when I was younger and the album was so big. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I was blown away by Lauren's verse on that song. For some reason, her reference to Tony Braxton, like she says, uh, for some, every time I, every time he'd lie, I would cry and inside I'd die. My heart must have died a thousand deaths. Compared myself to Tony Braxton, though I thought I'd never catch my breath. It's so smooth. See? Yeah. Perfect. And that verse in particular, like while she's not, it's not the like loud... Uh, like sort of raucous sound on on reality it's also like fast it is Mm -hmm. there's no breath in there she's not breathing yeah it's like urgent i mean that plays to her emotion and what was happening i think in the group yeah which is interesting in retrospect to go back and listen to the score and think about Mm -hmm. her relationship with with clef at that time Mm. yeah which pros knew nothing about which i I don't know. I kind of find that crazy, but I mean, hearing him talk about it, I I get it. He was sort of like, I'm trying to get this paper. I'm trying to set myself up so I don't have to work again. Um, I'm focused on the music. So, I mean, I think you see what you want to see. I find myself being really hard on pros. (laughs) And I'm, I'm not sure that it's fair. But my my reaction to 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 like the idea that he like didn't know what was going on, yeah, is kind of like I'm not sure he had any idea what was going on in general. Like, <laughs> but it's, I'm not sure that's fair. I it's it's appalling to me like how how bad he sounds. He, like his verses have not aged well. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the weakest link. Um, yes. But I will say, in terms of laying the foundation, he was instrumental. And he's credited as the executive. I mean, I don't know what... It might not mean much, but he's credited as the executive producer on the record. Yeah. But, I mean, he's the one that sort of formed the Fugees. I mean, he met Lauren first, and then he brought Wyclef in. He's he's actually related to Clef somehow, isn't he? His cousin. Okay, yeah. 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 So in that sense, it's kind of his group. Yeah. But, no, Proz is not my favorite rapper. I did something else I've never done before this week. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I listened to Proz's solo album, Ghetto Superstar, mm-hmm. from beginning to end. 
I've never. Oh, man, it was painful. Never have. It was really hard to do. <laughs> I imagine it was. It was not uh, not an easy listen. There's a. I was doing something else while I was listening to it, and, and but I could see the tracks changing mm-hmm. on my phone, and it got to the the title of the track was Phone Interlude Number One. All right. And it's a bunch of like voicemails from yeah. other people. And the title implies that there's more of them somewhere down the line oh, on the record. And yeah. I was like, why does there need to be more than one of these? Right. Not a single, and this is not a like original thing. Like this has happened a lot on hip hop albums where they're like voicemails from other rappers or yes. producers or somebody in the industry like talking up their album and yeah, giving them shout outs and stuff. There's not a single fucking rapper included in these voicemails. <laughs> it's like Natalie Cole and, and like a, Donald Trump is, is one of them. Really? Yes. Anyways, it was a hard listen. But apparently like Pras like got involved in producing movies and stuff and like has made a living that way. So good for him. Yeah, I think he has other talents that he capitalized on. Um, I mean, honestly... And I know Wyclef is very talented. Um, he still produces stuff for people. But for me, the strongest link is Lauren Hill. Like, when you take those, the three of them, and then separate them, Lauren Hill's at the top. Even though, but even when you listen to their, when you listen to the score. Well, that too, yeah. Like, there is a, there's like a, there's like a levity to her voice. Yeah. Like, when she's on the mic, it's... There's a, there's a seriousness to it, even mm-hmm. when she's, you know, talking about defecating on microphones and yeah. rap orgies with Porgy and Bet. Like, those are not serious lyrics, but there's a levity to what she her, to her like approach to her sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes the other two it makes Clef and Pros sound like like clowns. Like yeah, like like a sideshow. If if she wasn't in the group, then mm, I don't really, I don't really see them being good. Yeah, it's hard to take them seriously like right without her i was a fan of clef's first solo album the carnival but it's there's nothing serious about it yeah it's kind of like an album long joke right except i will say one of the things i've always respected about him is like the um how he's brought like his haitian roots to the music and he yeah that's yeah he will sing and uh and Haitian and, and sing and I don't know what. Creole? Creole, yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Creole. I'm just drawing a blank. I was going to let you keep going. Yes, he sings in Creole. And I respect that. And I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I feel sure that. there's a lot of people that connected to his music um, because of that. Yeah. But still, like, none of them have the, the, like, the depth or seriousness that Lauren has. I mean, she was just an artist. I mean, just like a natural artist. I think Wyclef in particular is more of a entertainer. Mm -hmm. And even just like, like reading about his life when he was younger, just sound just sounds like that. That's what he's always loved to do: entertain other people. So, not taken away from his artistry, but that's what I sort of see him more as being. Yeah, which is that's different to me. And he is very talented. He can he can um, play things by ear. Um, he can play multiple instruments, which anybody that can do that, I give mad respect to. 
because um, that's not an easy thing to do. So in that way, he does have some natural talent. But I, again, I think he's, to me, he's more of a performer. Like, I don't consider him an MC at all. I mean, even though he is. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has, like, tried on different hats. You know, like the MC, yeah. singer, songwriter, poet. <laughs> I saw somebody, I don't remember who it was, somebody posted on Instagram a clip from the um, from Cameron's Horse and Carriage remix. Yeah. Do you remember the horse and carriage remix? Yeah, um, it was. They sampled the night court theme. Yeah, the, the post was just a clip from the video, and it was like, just, just wanted to remind y'all. <laughs> just wanted to remind everyone. Wyclef had Cameron and Silk the Shocker and Charlie Baltimore rapping over the oh, night court. Silk the Shocker. Rapping over God the night court it. theme song. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie though. I fucking love the night court theme song. So, like, I will occasionally listen to the original just because I love that sax. No, I mean, mean, it was a popular remix. Somehow it worked. Yeah, it was. Yeah, people love that shit. I, myself included, like, I was all over it. Um, But, oh, Silk the Shocker shit, man. He is one of the worst rappers (laughs) I have ever heard. I, oh. And so... This is like, sort. I, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but when I was a teenager, I lived in Biloxi. And so naturally, I mean, I was down south. And so No Limit was just like sort of it. Right. And I just remember like listening to their catalog. And every time he would come on, I would just like flinch. Because it was, like, his flow was so terrible. It was, like, stuttered. What was the, uh, what was the one song he had? Uh, Ain't My Fault? Was that Silk the Shocker? Yeah. It Ain't My Fault? It Ain't My Fault. And then somebody in the background would be like, did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> it Ain't My Fault. And so, that funny thing, we used to play that song in band. Like, um. dan 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 Like that. Like we, a marching band? Yeah, or? yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun. man. Oh, fuck. He was terrible. Yeah, I kind of forgot about him until I saw that post. Blocked him out of my memory. Yeah, I definitely did. Woof. Anyways. Yeah, Wyclef, man of many hats. I did not realize that he was married when he was, well, when he was really young and in the Fugees. I did had no idea. Uh, yeah, how old was he when he was married? So he was married when he was, when he had a relationship with, Oh, yeah. With Lauren. Oh, yeah. How old was he? This, okay. So, I did a little math today, and the result let me left me feeling really disturbed and kind of <laughs> angry. So... Uh, I know where this is going. Right. You know where I'm going. Um, this is usually where the story goes. So, when Proz was like, yo, Clef, I need you to meet Lauren, blah, 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 come to the studio, wherever they were at. That was in 1990. Lauren Hill was 15. Wyclef is six years older than her. So he was 21? Yes. So I don't know when they started doing whatever, but even still, you met her when you were she was 15. It's kind of creepy to me. What, what year was this? 1990 is when they met. They started recording Blunted on reality in like 92. Yeah. So uh, 
my the version of the story I've heard is that their relationship took place while while they were recording the score, right? So before that, it was before that. Before that, yeah. So they were so they got close um, after they met, and um, like while they were recording Blend on Reality. So I think that they were out with it after Blood and Reality came out. Were they ever out with it? Well, not out with it, but you, like officially, like we're together. Like now, I don't know who they told, but as opposed to this more like really super secretive thing when after he got married. Okay, so Blood and Reality was what ninety three, ninety four, ninety four. Yeah. Um. So she would have been like nineteen. Yeah. And so they, and what creeps me out too, so I, I was listening to his, um, I've been listening to his autobiography, Purpose. So um, he used to call her little sister when they first met and stuff, because he was like a mentor to her. Like he was this like kind of older guy. Um, I mean, he wasn't like that much older than her, but I think those, that age gap is significant in terms of maturity and vulnerability so he used to call her little sister and so he mentored her like taught her how to rap and they got closer and closer he talked about them um her going off and doing sister act two and then like her being in la and them two getting closer and closer like him, her calling him every day so she was still a teenager then yeah calling him every day and all this shit and mm. I think it was on like Donkey Kong when they got back, when or she got back, and so, but he even says he says you know she tried to keep me as you know an older brother and kind of kept me at arm's length, but he pursued her, he pursued her. Then he got married, because the person he was with he felt was he called he refers to his wife I, I forget her name as the Rock. And Lauren as the feather. So you woo this girl, then you dump her, then you get married, then you then you're fucking around with her after that. So kinda, I don't. Yeah. It's kind of gross. Kind of gross. The thing that I'm thinking of is like, um, I don't remember what year it was, but yeah, you know, it was in, in the 2000s. Someone asked him about a Fuji's reunion and them making more music together, and his answer was that he he wouldn't even consider doing that unless Lauren got some help. Implying, you know, there's something, like, she's mentally ill. There's something, and maybe she is, but what, you're, what you are presenting right. leads me to, to think that perhaps you, dude, you are the cause. Of, yeah. You, you, are, you are contributing, at least, yeah. Yeah. to whatever mental health problems she may have. And so it's easy for him to say, oh, she's hysterical, and she's, you know, unstable. And even if she is, I mean, look what you fucking did. <laughs> like, she was this impressionable young girl when you met her. Right. And you, you, he literally swooped in, did like that predatory move. He whined and dined her. And then he dumped her. And then he, he, wanted, he went back for more. And then he was like, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. But, I mean, it ended up in the Fuji's dissolving. But he fucked with her. Yeah, sounds that way. Damn it, man. Yeah. The more we keep talking about all this 
stuff, the more records get ruined for me. So, so now, basically, I cannot listen to the Fugees. I cannot listen to Jay-Z. I can't, <laughs> I can't listen to CeeLo. I, I mean, you can listen to the food. I like, but I just. I'm, I'm joking. I'm gonna keep yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, I don't know. It's 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 funny, and I didn't know this, but so when they, and this is all based upon. See, I think different. They all have different stories, and I've never heard Lauren talk about Wyclef or any. I never heard her disclose any of of what the relationship was. Maybe she has. I've ne- I've never heard about it. Yeah. But um so I'm getting all of this from from him. But so apparently when they recorded when they came up for the concept for came up with the concept for Ready or Not, like he was sampling Enya. Lauren walked in and she was just like, "What's this?" And they sat down and she starts singing the hook for Ready or Not. And um, the two of them just kind of bonded. I mean, I think that that's how the relationship formed. They were creating this music, and it was passionate, and they fell in love, whatever you want to call that. But um, I guess when she was recording, on one of the takes when she was recording, she started crying when she was singing Ready or Not. Hmm. And that's the one that's on the album. Hmm. So, I mean, I've never really got that feel, but Hmm. now I want to listen a little closer. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I don't know. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Clearly a lot going on for Lauren. Like, made clear and clear over the years. Yeah. And, and you know, like, I don't know. Have you ever watched um, her Unplugged performance? No. I never watched it. I mean, I used to listen to it. I used to have, I used to own it. You should watch it. It's pretty emotional. It's, it's like, it, I, I watched it the other night for the first time because... I, I was sort of in the same boat. Like, I've listened to it repeatedly, but I've never watched her set. Yeah. Um, I felt drained afterwards. Mm. Like, it's really... And she's performing one of the songs, and she just breaks down. Mm. And it's and it's not... It's, it's real. And I'm just like, shit. I just feel like I'm intruding on a private moment. Like, that's how it felt. But it it's pretty fucking raw. And yeah. I'm just like... And you can just tell... That she has been through some shit. Well, that that like feeling like you're intruding on a private moment, I think, has really been part of her problem with like the recording industry oh, yeah. and the entertainment industry. Um, feeling like she cannot have the you know like the privacy that she desires. Mm-hmm. That she's being taken advantage of by by labels or distribution companies or people involved in the business. Yeah. And that's why I think she took a step, well, not I think, that's why she took a step back. I think she felt suffocated, and I think that she couldn't be herself. She was always, I've heard her say she felt like she was always on. Yeah. Like, all the time, like 24-7, and it, it, that's exhausting. It's so interesting. I didn't, I don't think I realized how young she was. Yeah. So I, I, because I'm, I'm thinking now about how she when they recorded and released the score yeah she was still living at home with her parents yeah early 20s so i mean you think about like just think about yourself like how different you were and how more vulnerable you were more vulnerable when you were in your early 20s like and i'm not old but like to me you're still a kid then even though you're you're legally an adult like maturity wise there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff though about like 
a lot of ways to get fucked up by becoming that famous that quickly. That too. And, and being that young. That too, yeah. yeah. All the, uh, I mean, there was like immediate like demand for her to record a solo album and release solo material. And yeah. She was getting all kinds of like movie and television offers. Yeah. It's a lot for a young person. And then never feeling like you have a private moment to yourself. Right. And then, you know, so, and then she gets pregnant. And so that changes everything. So now you have this child that you're responsible for and you're and like to have a child and then, and to feel this way, like, I don't blame her for taking a step back. That, so that is, you know, she's living at home with her parents. The score gets dropped. Killing Me Softly is huge. She's a superstar overnight. And that's before Miseducation of Lauren Hill is released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was huge. I mean, if the score was huge, Miseducation was huge. For her, at least. And for, like... I mean, she set all kinds of records for um, Grammy nominations and Grammy wins for, for solo female artists. and mm-hmm. Just groundbreaking work. All while pregnant having a child being in your early 20s yeah living with your parents yeah so that i just i don't know it just it it changes things for me i mean i always like she was has always been an artist that i just kind of connected with but in just kind of sort of doing that math today and just realizing how young she was when all this was happening like fuck yeah it, yeah. It really puts things into perspective. It also uh, like makes her work I think even more like impressive. Oh, yeah. One of the other I think sort of powerful things about the score is how much ground it covers. Like you're talking shit on other rappers. Mhm. Like about their like um how many mics or, or ready or not. Yeah. You know like we are we're more talented than you are. Yeah. And then cowboys like Mhm. We don't need to be fake gangsters to sell records. Mm-hmm. There's songs, there's song, like the mask. The mask is a song about identity mm-hmm. and like being your authentic self. Uh, the Beast, mm-hmm. a song about like social justice and police brutality. Yeah. Killing them softly and Fuji Lot. There's just like everything that you could want yeah. in a record on this album mm-hmm. at such a young age. It's, it's like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how old Proz was during all of this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Poor Proz, yo. Sorry, Proz. Poor Proz. You're a likable dude, honestly. There's nothing about you to not like except your music. I do, like, just in, like, listening to interviews with him, I do really, I do really appreciate him. Yeah, I feel bad that I that I have such strong negative opinions. <laughs> I mean, about about him as an artist. Yeah, I mean, your taste is your taste. Like, I just yeah, he doesn't really speak to me in that way. But if you get a chance, listen to his interview with Ed, um, Ed Lover. Okay. He Ed Lover has a podcast called Come On Son. It's pretty good. Okay. I'm thinking of Common right now. You know, like, I don't like. I don't like your music it's just because I don't like your music it's not like it's not because I hate you yeah if I don't like it it's because I don't like it so sorry not sorry pros I don't know you said common 
Yeah, shit. Now I'm going to have to remember what song it is. Oh, man. It's on, like, like Water for Chocolate. Yeah. Sounds good. There's a premiere track. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know exactly what it's called. There's a premiere track on that album. Maybe it's called The Sixth Sense. Okay. It was premiere's birthday. Was it yesterday? The day before. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I his listened, in March professor. I was listening to premiere beats all day. He says, the some of some of that shit y'all bop to, I ain't relating. If I don't like it, I don't like it. That don't mean I'm hating. Mm. Okay. That was a lot of work mm-hmm. to come up with that. But it was. It was. I'm trying to evoke that same spirit in how I'm thinking about pros. Yes. Okay. So, sorry, pros. Just a side note, if I can. How the fuck does pros well, does pros end up on a track with an old dirty bastard? I don't know. There are two on, on, on the Ghetto Superstar album, there are two features that I, that I know, actually know who the artists are. One yeah. is Old Dirty Bastard, and the other is Cannabis. Wait, Cannabis is on that? Yes. And I don't know if I was listening to, like, I don't think I was listening to an edited version of the album. I think that he just edited out the curse words that Cannabis said in his verse. What? Like, he wouldn't let him say fuck. Oh. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> just, a, just a little trivia for you. Yeah. I mean, there's... I, I also, for the sake of this podcast, love that we're talking about the score because there's some Philly history there. So they were on Rough House. Yeah. Rough House was made in Philly. Rough House Records? Yes. So they used to have... Their studio used to be in, um, on Callahill. And now they're in Conshohocken, but yes, Rough House is Philly. I had no idea. Yes. Who were we just talking about? Oh, it was DMX that got dropped by Rough House. Ah, yeah. He released a single in like 92 or something, and then they dropped him. Yeah, so I was excited for that, hmm. that piece of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And Rough House started with um, Schoolie D. Okay. And then they had Cypress Hill, then they had The Goats, which was a hip-hop group. Back in the 90s. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten that Diamond D was on the score. Yeah. Diamond D. I creep like a thief, no doubt the man swift. I'm more magnificent than Lee Van Cliff. You stand stiff, and got the nerve to let your man rip. And start flaking like dandruff. Come on, son, my stilo's tight. Cause by far, I'm the best producer on the mic. Right. on the right. Analytical conceptions with precision. And leave lyrical incision. Bing. And I, I'd also forgotten about, like it immediately came back to me when I started listening to it. But um, Rod Digger's verse on, um, on Cowboys, I forgot she was on it too. Mendel is perhaps one of the foulest. I inhale large clouds of smoke through my chalice, and write rhymes for hours. The ghetto miss drinking whiskey sour. This scenario can't no other niggas in the barrio. From north to Ontario, say less when we in stereo. She a rock the battles It's apparent you're no talent Cause you're blazing in your saddle Watch these rap bitches get all up in your pockets Then bounce with accountants that gave me good stock tips 
props and suck. Niggas through the roof, burning niggas like I'm 90. And for all your head beaters, the lead eaters, the cheaters, soon to be retreaters. While mama seen us carry real heaters. I rock the doobie and L rocks the newbie and twist. Nine six motherfuckers getting dick. Ole Everyone wants to be a cowboy. Rod Digger is underrated. I agree. Rod Digger is the shit. I agree. She got bars for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Doesn't get enough credit. I agree. And, uh, well, yeah, to his credit, Salam Remy's work on... Salam Remy's work has endured. I mean, we, we talked uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit about uh, Black Thought's, like, uh, EPs mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. and the Streams of Thought volume yep. two was all Salam Remy. Yep. Still he also do- worked with Amy Winehouse. Still doing it. Yeah. Save the foodie's career. Single-handedly, I yeah. Still doing it. Still doing it. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm digging Salam. I thought, uh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What was the whatever about? I was about to go off on a tangent about Streams of Thought Volume 2 and me being surprised by Salam Remy, like, being the producer that Black Thought chose for that, but... You know, it worked out. It was good. It was good shit. I love the story of the um, Enya sample on Ready or Not, because they didn't get it cleared. Nope. They did not. I, and I don't... I guess they just thought, there's no way Enya's going to be paying attention. <laughs> she was. But she... she uh, Well, she sued them, right? She, like, mm-hmm. tried to sue them. Mm-hmm. But then, what I read is that she tried to sue them, and then she learned that they weren't gangster rappers quote unquote and dropped the case so if they were she would have pursued like what the fuck is that the implication being that like she didn't want her work being used by gangster rappers to promote violence perhaps i guess i don't know i'm just trying to think like enya would did i'm not even gonna pretend to think like enya did i think it's a scary place ready or not was her biggest fucking hit like let's be honest Enya's biggest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come but on. She's not making any money off of it because well, she just let them have it. Well, I don't Very know. Very generous of her. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it is. Like, so many groups and rappers, like, don't make shit because of samples. Because they are still fucking paying for that shit. Or they can't get them cleared. Yeah. yeah. That's why I respected organized noise. Like, because... They're like, no, nah, we ain't we ain't doing all that. <laughs> right. Try and get this money. I don't know. I read some stuff. Also read some stuff this week that was like uh, that I did not agree with. Okay. When it came to um, the Fuji's and their use of samples, which was it's not like praising them for like using using samples in a unique way. And I listened to the score, and I think this is exactly what Puff Daddy would have done with these songs. <laughs> And a you so you're disagreeing that it was done in a unique way. Just Correct. to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the world of sampling, I would not rank this high in terms of being impressed by what a producer has done with sampling. The samples are how do I want to say this? The samples are chosen well. Mm-hmm. And they're used I think they're used well also. And a lot of, actually, I think a lot of what's sort of sampled, so yeah. to speak, on the record are actually just like, 
reinterpreted. Yeah. Like the chorus on, um, like Tina Marie's chorus on Fuji La or, mm-hmm. or the chorus on Ready or Not is not sampled, but it's them like putting their own spin on it. Yeah. It's Lauren putting her own spin on it. And then the, the samples that are obvious, like, uh, what is it? The Zealots that samples I Only Have Eyes for You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, it. Just works really well. I mean, it's a really, it's a really well integrated sample. Yeah, I agree. But I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I tend to, to side with you. I just, there's other stuff that I've heard that I've been like, what the fuck? How did they take this and make it into this? Right. It's not. Yes, it wasn't. It didn't strike me as like incredibly creative. Like, no. Big had already made juicy. Like, a lot of the way the samples are used on the score feel the same to me. Yeah. Just like claiming something for for yourself, for your own. Yeah, I just, yeah. Mm -mm. There was already so many albums, yeah, that were out that, like, ranked way above this when it comes to that. Do you have a favorite sample from the score? I mean, honestly, I love love Ready or Not. Mm -hmm. I love it. I I just, it's... You like the Enya sample? (laughs) Is that the part you like so much? Yeah, because I love Enya. Um, (laughs) So much. Um, so peaceful. Thank you for dropping the lawsuit. I, I just, I'm telling you, like when I hear, I can hear it. I've heard that song a million times, but when it comes on, it, I'm like locked in. I'll tell you what ruined that song for me is fucking jet skis in the, in the video. Oh my god! But that was it then. Like that's like that was so fucking. Puff Daddy, like that was in with the fucking helicopters and the jet ski. That's why it cost two point four million dollars. Right, it was over the top. All that bullshit. Yeah, that's what everyone was doing then. But now I hear that song and that's all I can fucking think about is Proswell on a. It was, I don't even remember. It was Pros. Somebody was riding a jet ski. That's all I remember. Somebody was, and they jumped in. I guess it was the ocean. I don't know where they were. At the end of the video. I would like to sort of compare music video costs with, like, you know, like, throughout the years. Like, given a certain timeline. Because, like, you have, like, Cream, when Wu-Tang's just, like, hanging out on the corner. Like, how much did that cost? $10. Versus, and, like, I think of, like, that. I think of, um... TLC's Waterfalls. That shit was a lot of money. I think that's the reason they went bankrupt. Honestly, yeah. Is that a video? That and there's a whole bunch of I, f- I feel like I knew that why exactly they went bankrupt. Like there's a um, documentary and they like literally break it down dime for dime. Yeah, like or like mob like a lot ton of Mob Deep's videos. Like they're just fucking hanging out in Queensbury. Yeah, so like a lot of those like grimy uh, early nineties. Like they videos d- they're just... not like yeah. So I would I'm just so interested in that. Yeah. Like what what were the or the costs. Those definitely weren't 2.4. No. My favorite sample from the score is on Fuji La. The, um, Oof, yeah. If Loving You Was Wrong, I Don't Want to Be Right by Ramsey Lewis. Such mm-hmm. a sweet song with the, like, the, uh, the keys mm-hmm. in the background.
let me be born. I, I love that song too. It's, it's a it's such a sweet song, and then they made it into this like this like banger. This like so um, Salam um, did that, and Fat Joe passed on that beat. Which can you even imagine Fat Joe rapping on that beat? No, it's not. No, because it's not hard enough for him. Yeah. Yeah. No. So when the Fugees um, used to record, Lauren would do the hooks first. They were so they all they were like listening to that beat and they were just like I don't know. So like Lauren was trying to come up with something, and they were like in the studio for hours, I guess. Um, and then all of a sudden she was just like, la la la, it's the way that we. And they were and. They stopped her and were like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And she's like, oh, it's just like, it's something I'm working on with one of my homegirls. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the hook. Yeah. And then the rest was history. According to Praz. I've got no reason not to trust See? Praz. That's what I'm saying. That interview with Ed Lover was was I've good. Got no reason not to trust Praz. Well, I mean, I think that, like, somehow, like, is a testimony to you know, what we were saying before, how the, like, full creative license over the record. Yeah. That they can just sit in a studio that they've built on their time. Yeah. And take take their time to come up with whatever feels right to them. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. As opposed to, you know, like, paying to be in the studio, feeling pressured to come up with something that sounds fantastic in, like, a certain amount of time. They had all the time in the world. I was glad that you mentioned Sister Act 2. Because uh, I remember really liking that movie when I was a kid. Oh, I fucking love that movie. And she was so good. Right? Like a, na- like a natural. Lauren Hill was good at anything and everything that she did and does. I still I still love Lauren Hill. Is she, I just remembered. Is there like a cipher in that movie where she's like, it's like a scene where they're like on a rooftop somewhere. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, yeah. And she like gets in the cypher and is yeah. like spitting rhymes. Yeah. See? Lauren was shit, yo. Oh, man. That's how I knew who she was whenever I first caught one of the Fugees. So I, like I said, I missed it. I missed it. I missed Blunted on Reality. And so, but then whenever I found out who the Fugees were... And I heard the score. That's how I knew who she was. Because fucking Sister Act you, 2. You like knew her from the movie. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, what? Rita Wilson? <laughs> Rita <Yeah>. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, she was she was amazing in that movie. Um, what is the song that she sang? Uh, which which I mean, song? I there's a couple of them, but... At the end? His, his Eyes on the Sparrow. Does she sing that? In the oh movie? my god, yeah. She's like, this. I've seen this movie so many times. So she's sitting with her homegirl at the piano. It's Tanya Blount. Yeah, but they're singing. They're sitting at the piano and they're singing. And Lauren Hill starts singing, and it's like fuck. And then at the uh, end, she oh, sings. No, she doesn't sing that, she's dude. Not that. So wait. So listen. So dude from City High sings that. I didn't even realize it's a dude from City High. It's a dude from City High, which was Wyclef's group. What do you mean it was Blacklist's group? He, I don't know exactly what, he was, I think he started the group. Ryan Toby? Is that who you're talking about? Ryan Toby, the guy? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. The skinny guy. Like, if you look at a, if you look up a picture of City High, it's the skinnier guy. So, I, Wyclef gave them their start, I'm pretty sure. Now, I don't know if he, if that was like somebody 
like a group that he managed, but I feel like he managed them or something, but I can't remember exactly. He was like heavily involved with them. Tanya Blount or Tanya, excuse me, Tanya Blount was the other was the Got it. Was the other singer. She was from Maryland. It was a big deal. Okay. Okay. For me. That's okay. She was from Maryland and she was in that movie. Yeah, I think it's his eyes on the sparrow that's what really got me in that movie. When they're sitting there, yeah. 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 Oh man, it's so good. So City High was signed to Book a Basement. Mm-hmm. So that's why so yeah. This is Clef's label. Yeah, so yeah. there was drama in that group too. So dude from Sister Act. So they were all in this group together. I don't know their names at all. But the woman in the group was initially with the dude the the the, the dude that wasn't in Sister Act, right? So they were together. Okay. Then the other two started dating. So the guy from Sister Act and the woman. Yeah, from started Act. dating. Okay. And fucked the other dude up. Hey, you can't do that. I actually saw that other dude on. Did you ever um? You watch that show? Um, is it? No, it's not addiction. What the fuck is it called? It's on A and E. Is it addiction? Uh, I think it is. Inter- he was interventions. Ah, shit. Yeah, that's yeah. it. He was on it. Okay. He, dude from City. Doing, different dude they from were doing City. An intervention for he, him. Yeah, yeah, the the guy that got left. Okay. I don't think I could name a City High song. What would you do? What would you do if your son was at home crying on? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know. So I know. Great. Yeah. How where was the where were the black eyed peas in their career at the time that song was released? No, but that was them. That was them. <laughs> That's the kind of music the black eyed peas made. Honestly it was. Yeah. I think they only had that one album. City High? Yeah, I don't really. Yeah. They had that song and there was um That song annoyed the shit out of me. And the other lie. one was like Fi Fi with brown eyes. I can't <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing it. I can't sing, but the laugh was not at your singing. It was, no, it's fine. You can laugh. It was at the um, I don't really know too much about them, but yeah, so they were signed to Book Basement. Regardless of um, you know how you feel about Clef or Praz, I think what's incredibly you know like respectful, um, respectable, excuse me, about the Fujis is, and it's actually it's not it's not lost on me that we are. Uh, here now today in 2019 talking about the Fujis because um, the name in, in and of itself I think is like meaningful like tried to repurpose the term refugee mm-hmm. and make it into something positive yeah when it's often not yeah and in an era when we're talking about building walls and shit yeah um, it seems to me we need more things like the Fujis as a kid in Jersey, where Wyclef grew up, um, well, he was in Haiti for until he was 10, and then his parents came and got him because his parents went to America first, and they left him there with relatives, mm-hmm. left him in Haiti, then they came and got him and his brother. It, but just him growing up in America, like, he got picked on all the fucking time. Like, he would get in fights with people, people would try to beat him up, because he was Haitian. Yeah. Just fucked up. Really fucked up. The, the respectable thing about them is not just how they like tried to repurpose the name, but also the charitable work that they've done. Yeah. After gaining stardom and and making mm-hmm. money and like, I think uh, I remember reading that they actually donated 
the the house that the Booga Basement Studio was mm-hmm. originally in yeah. to like a program that um, houses like Haitian um, youth. Oh, I didn't know that. Like homeless Haitian youth. Yeah. And, okay. Um, both Lauren and Clef have like done all sorts of charitable work for at-risk youth mm-hmm. and and um, young immigrant immigrant children, mm-hmm. which is uh, of course incredibly important and yeah. very respectable. And then like Clef, what? Didn't Clef try to run for president in Haiti? Yeah, I think he did. Cl- the dude clearly cares a lot about like <laughs> where he's from and his people and trying to figure out ways to take care of them. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty famous in Haiti. I mean, like naturally so, but uh, cl- uh, apparently, you know, famous enough that he thought he could win the presidency. I don't know if he's that famous. Apparently, I mean, he's not the president, so he did not win. No. No. He did not. So, sorry, what club? I was trying to uh, think about um, Fuji's songs that were not on the score, but were like like collaborations that they may have done. Mm-hmm. I couldn't come up with many. But one of my very favorites is a Cypress Hill collaboration on the Boom Biddy Bye Bye remix. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it's like, it sounds dark as hell. Yeah. Which is not a Fuji vibe at all. No. But somehow they make it work. I still like that. I was was banging that the other day. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't really collab much. No. But they they went on... It was kind of like dope to hear about like shows that they were... That they did with other people back then. Like they did a show with fucking (laughs) Wu-Tang. Like which... Can you even imagine? Imagine that? I can't. They did a show with Big. Hmm. And I guess Big was like, he was just like, I'm going on first, y'all going on last. And they were just like, wait, we're opening up for you. And he was like, no. He was like, y'all got all those instruments and shit. He was just like, no, you're going to take the crowd with you. He was like, I'm going first. (laughs) (laughs) And and, And Wyclef was just like... No, like, we love you, like, blah, 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 like, you know, we'll go first. And, and Biggie was like, not tonight, homie. <laughs> Which, like, I'm like, I don't, I mean, obviously I didn't know Biggie, but, like, it sounds like him. Yeah, it also, like, could you interpret, uh, there's a lyric on the mask from Praz that I wonder could, if could be interpreted as, like, a shot at, at Big. Like, this whole verse is about, like, him... Uh, like being strapped and getting pulled over by the police and getting yeah. mistreated by the police. Yeah. And at the end of the verse, like Clef like chimes in, "Did you shoot him?" And he was like, "No, nah, I didn't have the balls." That's when I realized I've been bumping too much Biggie Smalls. Could have been. I don't know. Or you could interpret that as him thinking he was hard because he listened to Biggie Smalls. Right. Or like not. realizing that he's not that. that yeah. Like, that ain't. Yeah. Ah uh, shit! You reminded me of something though. Oh, you're uh, somehow for somehow your story about Big and the Fugees reminded me of um, Stretch and Bobito's story about the Fugees. How they were like dissed them basically at first. They didn't want to have them on at all. I can't remember who it was that they, the Fugees like they only agreed to have the Fugees on their show because the label like agreed to send someone else they were interested with. Yeah, them. and I forget who it was. But the story was that, like, the Fugees like, came yeah. on and they were just blown away, by Lauren in particular. Yeah. Because I remember Bobito being like, no, nah, we're good. Yeah. And then they came on and he was like, okay. <laughs> but, and I I need that, I don't know what 
show it was. I don't know the year or the date, but I need it. I need that whole verse because I've heard that snippet of Lauren rapping and I'm like, fuck. She went the fuck in. On Stretch and Mabita? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have some of their um, old shows downloaded, but I don't think I have that one. And I need it. I've listened to so much Fuji stuff this past week trying to prepare for this. Now I can't even remember where I heard it. I think it's on there like... The whole thing? You've heard it? No, no, no. Not, no. There's some like song, some Fuji's track that like at the end of it... I think it's the vocab remix on like their greatest hits. Yeah. At the end of it has um, Stretch and Bobbito talking over... Mm. Uh, the instrumental for Manifest. Mm-hmm. And like talking about the Fugees. Okay. Which is funny to listen to after hearing their story. Yeah. Like they didn't want to have anything to do with them. And... They thank them in the score. Stretch about Vito, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a bunch of DJs, but... Yeah. I think that's pretty ironic. I mean, I think that that, that happens so many time, times over the years. Like, all oh, this person's like trash, not going to be good. And then they end up being like, whoever. Right. Yeah, and then vice versa. Like, people you think are going to be the shit yeah. are disappointing. Not too. One of the things that I really enjoyed in going back and trying to listen to all the Fuji stuff this week was um, rediscovering Funk Master Flex first like mixtape. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that shit. Yeah. I used to listen to that shit so much over and over. I was a DJ Clue person. You felt like you had to choose between Clue No, and I Flex? didn't. I, I mean, I didn't have to choose. I'm just saying, like, that's who I usually gravitated towards. Like, I had a lot of Clue stuff. Not that I have to. I mean, I had Funk Master Flex stuff, too, but, like, I feel like I was, I was more Clue. I don't know why, but I just, like, stuck to that volume yeah. one of, from Funk Master Flex. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I didn't have that one, though. Proz wasn't in there. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the the like the web exclusive single that they dropped in like 2015. Yeah. yeah. Take well, Take it easy, I think it's called. And uh, I I actually hadn't heard it before. I listened to it for the first time this week. There's a verse from Lauren and a verse from Clef, mm-hmm. and I think maybe a second verse from Lauren. And I started thinking, oh, I guess I prowls off this song. And I wasn't upset. And then, and then here he comes. And honestly, the one of the first things he says, I think, is like, "Oh, you you thought, you thought he wasn't gonna see me, or something like that." And I was like, "Wow, this was surprise." I was kind of hoping. <laughs> surprise. I feel like if I was, um, if I was an artist back then, I would have been like, Lauren, like, spit some bars on my track, please. And she didn't really. I mean, she was you never running. Feature on everything fucking everything mm-hmm. she was fucking she was wasn't on anybody's shit really like wow. solo by herself well um i mean she took nas to new heights if i ruled the world that's true how the fuck did i forget that <laughs> jesus christ there aren't a lot of other ones there's though. not though so there's that yeah yeah actually so that's the first time i saw her was with him in concert yeah she's done a couple tours yeah they toured here. They were here two years ago, and I fucking splurged. I got like floor tickets. I was like, I don't give a shit. Did she show up? 
She was on time. All right. You showed up. You know, I, I'm going to say this. So I, when all, when all that shit happened and she started doing this and people were like, what the fuck? Like she was two hours late, blah, blah, blah. Like I kind of was just like, what the fuck? You know? And I'm sure if I was a fan at one of these shows, I would be annoyed. Like I've been to shows. I'm like, all right, come on. Especially the older I get, like, and especially with the shows on a weekday, I'm just like, come on, man. I ain't got time. I'm tired. Like I work the next day. But it's funny because, so, when Robert Glasper came out and accused her of stealing people's music and all that shit, and basically shit on her, yeah, she addresses, so she addresses that eventually, like, in this whole sort of, like, almost like op-ed. Yeah. Um, which is profound, by the way. She, she addresses that, and she was just like, look... <laughs> And she was just like, I haven't been late for shows yet. And she was like, and did you want to know why? And she was just like, because I want everything to be perfect. She was like, shit happens sometimes. And she was just like, sometimes something, something doesn't sound right to me. And I want it to sound right for the audience I'm performing for. So I just, I don't know. And, and again, I haven't been to a show where she's been two hours late. And, and again, I'd probably be annoyed if I was at one of those shows. But it just put it in, put things in perspective for me. I think um, that's, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, I don't know. Like, is it a little ridiculous? Pro- yeah. I mean, that, like, to be two hours late, but... It's like, I want things to be perfect for them, so I'm going to show up two fucking hours late. That's not anywhere near perfect. Perfect, first of Sound-wise. First of all, perfect <laughs> doesn't exist, all right? And what I know about artists... Okay. ...is that it's very tempting to spend a shitload of time in the studio tweaking knobs and pushing buttons... Right. Trying to get things to sound perfect that nobody else is going to notice. That but. shit is for you. Okay? Let's be real. That shit is for you. You're the only one who knows how much time you've put into things and what it sounds like from first take to last take. Nobody else hears that shit. Okay. I understand that. But putting your art out there and letting people hear it whether you've been doing this for five minutes or 50 years, I still feel you're, you're in a state of vulnerability. Absolutely. So the challenge then is like allowing yourself to be vulnerable with what you have to present. It's not about being perfect. Okay. But that's easier said than done. I'm not, I don't, yeah. dis- I don't disagree with that. Like if you, yeah. so, but that, if I can respect, I, I would, it would yeah. be much easier for me to respect if like a statement was made saying, you know what, I was very uncomfortable yeah. with being so vulnerable that night and I felt so anxious about doing it right. that I waited and waited and waited trying to get things right so that I mm-hmm. didn't feel so anxious yeah. and that's why I was too, I was like, and that, and that for me is like, I can connect to that because that's what vulnerability is about. Like, that's a real answer that I can connect to. Yeah. But you saying, like, I'm trying to get my art perfected. It's like, I don't give a shit. I was standing here for two hours. I, I'm i going to say this. I was paraphrasing. And so... And my, my beef is not with you. It's, I No, no, no. I'm saying that I put it... What I said was too simple. She goes on and on and on about it. And I, and I don't think that it comes off as, I'm this artist and I need to... Be, like, I don't think it... I. I I'm not doing it justice. Like sh- she wrote, she wrote this long response to Robert Glasper's ac- accusations, and 
I think she was trying to do what you just said. Address yeah. that kind of stuff and say, you don't fucking know me. You don't know my artistry. Back up. Like, this is what the deal is. And I and look, again, like, do I think it's okay to be two hours late for a show when you're... I mean, not really, no. Like, I'm paying money to see you, like... That's, yes. But at this... But, but, I think that we... I don't know. I feel a little bit protective over her. And I don't know Lauren Hill. She's not my friend. <laughs> I wish she was. But, I don't know. I just feel like... We're so quick to be like, what the fuck? Like, you're fucking two hours late. And I just feel like that's all she's become lately. When people talk about her and they talk about her career, she's been reduced to this, showing up late for shows. And I think that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. So I don't like that. So I I feel a little bit like, I feel like I want to defend her. And, you know, like, I'm not saying it's okay to be two hours late for shows when people have paid, like, whatever amount of money like i think you owe a little bit more you should be a little bit more responsible if you're if you're sharing your art with the world and that's you're choosing to do and you're hosting this show i think you should be a little bit more responsible and a little bit more sensitive to the people that are coming to see you i agree with that but i just don't like it like I, i don't like that that's all that people talk about that that they she gets clowned for that shit like because you don't know what the fuck is going on and so to just say like well she's trash like she's fucking late every time like i think that's bullshit not that not that that's what the consensus is but i don't know i've seen stuff and i'm just like come on it's definitely not where i'm like yeah yeah. and i'm not saying that that's what you're going with it but no i think my question about like was she on time is is like up was meant to be humorous but also like there there's there is a certain like amount of doubt now that's sowed. Yeah. After you've done this a few times. Sure. That people have to like confront. Yeah. Now if I'm going to put money down now, I I might feel a little anxious. Yeah. That Lauren doesn't show up to give me what I paid for, and I think that's. Listen, what really sort of um, bothers me about artists that like take this stance that like it's about it's about the art and. It's about like getting the art right, and if I can't get the art right, then I'm not going to perform. Right. I'm sorry, but that's it's just not that simple. Mm-hmm. Like you've created, if you, you've released, you've you've recorded something, you've written a song, you've released yeah. a record, that is your art. Mm-hmm. And now people have paid money, hard-earned money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to come and see you play a live show, and you now have an obligation, right, to fulfill. To fulfill that, to, to to put on a show, to put on a performance. Do I expect you to be perfect every time you do that? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I expect to hear music, <laughs> to see you on stage? If yes. I paid for a ticket, right. Yes. And it, for me, those live shows are not about, it's not necessarily all about like the, the art that's performed. There's also an exchange happening. Like I came here to see you and to experience you and right it's a fellowship almost you 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 agreed i assume to do this because you sold me a ticket yeah so let's engage in that exchange right we're connecting yeah yeah i mean i get that i don't know i just like i don't know i just don't like to see her reduced to that and that's all that people talk about now no, it, 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 it makes me a little angry um can you imagine being 
a mom no. with six no. kids. No. And then touring? And then trying to tour, and then... And I feel like at this point, like, she already, like, is so fucking over it. <laughs> like, I, I feel... Clearly, yeah. I, I, I almost think, like, I don't know what... I don't know, like, I don't know what her financial situation is, but I almost feel like these tour dates are just, like, ways for her to, to keep, like, a steady income. Yeah. Which makes me a little sad, but, like... I think that's what most people her age are touring for right now. Honestly. Right, to make money. Yeah. Yeah, that's this the is only your... way to make money as a musician now, is to tour. Honestly, yeah. I mean, it is, because it's, I mean, shit is different, so. I mean, just like these... I don't know, all these old, older hip-hop groups or musicians, like, just touring, like, left and fucking right. And I'm just like, that has got to be fucking exhausting. But no, it's, it's like, I'm think, think about our conversation with Zilla, like, and him talking about how, like, you, if you, you, there are a couple routes you could go. One is to, like, go all out at yeah. recording and releasing music. But then you're stuck in it, and you have to keep doing it. You have to keep recording, releasing music, and touring. Yeah. Because otherwise you cannot make money. Right. And the other route is like, you know, having a full-time job and doing this on the side. And yeah. maybe, maybe you tour to promote stuff every once in a while, but that's not how you eat. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's hard. I think it's hard to maintain and, 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 and have it be the way that you make money, like, and make a living. Unless you're like, I don't know, unless you're like, jay-z or nas and and even and even they sustain the income that they sustain because they have gone in other business ventures right that's why that they that's why they have the money that they have now because if they were solely recording artists and that's all that they've done then shit would look a little differently for them these other artists that didn't do that, that just focused on the music and putting out these albums, and now they're 40, almost 50, and it's just kind of like, well, I gotta keep touring, I gotta keep putting out these records with these producers because I need money. Right, that's why DMX goes on a 20th anniversary tour for Hell is Hot, or yeah, anybody. I mean, that... That's happening a lot. And do you see you see how many albums he put out? Yeah. So many. I don't know. They almost like I feel like these like these rappers that are now older needed some sort of guidance back in the day. Like, listen, this isn't going to last forever. You need to sort of invest your money, save your money. And I don't think that there was any of that. I feel for them because there's also like no way to predict like. Well, that how too. the internet is gonna change was gonna change the music business and that's true. Make it challenging. Yeah, I mean, no one could have foresaw that. Mm-hmm. Foresaw, foreseen, 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 foreseen. Yeah, yeah. not foresaw. So Lauren might be a little, you know, trapped in the game. She might be. Um, Plus, she got to pay all those back taxes. She does. I just, I don't know. I think she, I think she has gone through and is going through some shit and it's just sad to watch. All right. Okay. Should we wrap this up? Sure. Okay. That about does it for this episode. Stay tuned for 
the new one after this. <laughs> and I said that because I don't remember what number it is. <laughs> so what number? What It'll number? Yeah, eventually is we're, this? I think we're gonna lose track. It's gonna be probably. Hard to keep track. This would be episode seven. Ah, so stay tuned for episode eight then. Episode eight, currently scheduled to feature Philadelphia resident, Brooklyn transplant, Curly Castro. Yes, yes. And he wants to talk about Mr. Liff. I Phantom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have that to look forward to. We're going to take you back to the era of deaf jookies. Be sure to follow us on IG. What's our handle again? I cannot ever remember. If we can't remember it, we're in big yeah, trouble. like what? Come on. I can't remember it by heart. T-N-M. The next movement. T-N-M Philly. That's it. That's TNM it. Philly. Philly. Just fucking search for the next movement. Search for the next movement. We're fucking there. And then follow us. Yeah. And then... And then listen. After that, listen to this podcast that you just listened to again. And then tell your friends. We're available on most podcast platforms. Yeah, really, the only one we're not on is Spotify. Yeah. Because they... they're a little uptight gonna be honest with you they're a little uptight so check us out i'm e i'm rob this is the next movement peace, peace. you say guns i say the star well if you got beef son you'll meet me on an island where the cubans meet the haitians or both meets the verbal lyrical assassination from la to brooklyn why you doing all that talking think you gotta Yo, toast the host from coasters. We boast when we meet again. I will be cast, but that friendly ghost. Yo, hit shots like the show cops. Things are still the same. I'm still growing crops. Why Clef would be real? Let me build better yet. Kill a beat kid. Yo, be real. Watch it real. Paradise holes run up, but they never seen the last. Fragile ass niggas get broken like.